Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. Brought to you by Barclays. After a stunning result at Old Trafford, surely Liverpool are genuine title contenders now. We'll take it step by step, try and win every game as it comes, and then hopefully we'll be right where we need to be at the end of the season. That's right up there at the top of the table. Reds midfielder Raheem Sterling joins us in an exclusive podcast interview as Liverpool move up to second place, but Arsenal are hot on their tail after winning the North London derby in just 72 seconds. For us, it's uh, three massive points. We know to stay in the race, it was vital to win, and uh, our away fans have been brilliant since the start. Arsene Wenger hopes the fans can help Arsenal with their title push, but how can a former boxer affect this season's relegation battle? I just got a call from the club that just wanted a bit of extra training, something different, something that's going to um, excite the footballers, and so I went in and took a few of them on the pads. They loved it, and I've been going every week for the last five or six weeks. We speak to former world champion Richie Woodall about helping West Brom stay fighting fit. With Everton moving up to sixth, we hear from Roberto Martinez on his start to life at Goodison Park. Plus, we hear from Jose Mourinho, Fabian Delph, Peter Odenwingi, and many more. Hello and welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. I'm Dave Farrah and joining me to look back at the weekend's fixtures is the former Everton and Norwich defender Matt Jackson. And Matt, it's going to happen from now until the end of the season. Big results at both the top and the bottom this weekend. It gets more intriguing by the week, doesn't it? It certainly does. Fantastic performances, great entertainment all round, heartbreak at the bottom and obviously big clubs struggling. And funnily enough, for the football in public, that's often what they want to see. Yeah, absolutely. Just to remind you, by the way, throughout the season, we're also looking for the standout moments of sportsmanship and spirit in the game through our hashtag YouAreFootball campaign. Any particular examples of that this week, Matt? I think someone who's been a fantastic servant to the game, Stephen Gerrard, involved in that massive game at Old Trafford, actually became the top all-time scorer against Manchester United for Liverpool and a reflection of what a contribution he's made to that football club and his ability as a professional as well. Yeah, well, let's uh, look into that a little more, shall we? We've got to start at Old Trafford, haven't we? Where Liverpool hammered home their title intentions with a comprehensive 3-0 win over close rivals Manchester United. A superb performance from Brendan Rodgers. I mean, we'll talk in a moment about maybe how bad Manchester United were, but what about that for a display? Oh, they were absolutely outstanding. And I think for a manager where you've had to go and make your mark on a football club that's been in a transitional period and had one or two issues, that must be a form which you watch and think, you know, I am really cracking this. This is something that I want to watch week in, week out. Now, the attacking play was simply sensational every time they counterattacked. Obviously, once they were ahead, it was a bit easier for them, but they absolutely destroyed United. Yeah, and there were a lot of unbelievers when Brendan Rodgers joined Liverpool, weren't there? But, you know, his personal story has been incredible. He's now looks one of the best in the country. And in a way, you want it to be that way because, okay, he had a bit of a playing career, but he has devoted himself to being the best coach he can be. He's learnt another language, he's been and seen other clubs in action. So all these qualities now are coming out in this Liverpool team. And it's a Liverpool team that, obviously, you have great experience with Gerrard there, but you now it's a team that has an awful lot of future in it as well. 
Well, let's hear now from the victorious Liverpool camp captain and two-goal hero Steven Gerrard on their title chances in a moment. But first of all, here is Brendan Rodgers. I think that we'll, we're coming into a real strong stage of the season. We've done the same last year and, and we're doing the same this year. I think as the players walk together, the personalities connect, they understand what, how we want to work. They're improving all the time and we remain humble as a team and as a group and uh, we'll manage the expectation and, and the only expectation is to win the next game and that's what we'll look to do. I've said it many a times in football, the easiest things to, to talk the talk, we've got to go and we've got to go and treat Cardiff like Manchester United now and then we've got to treat Sunderland like Manchester United and, and if we do we'll we'll win a lot of games from now to the end of the season so the, the rest of the people that are fighting for it with us I've got to believe we're, we're going for it. Well, I'm delighted to say that joining us on the line now is another member of Sunday's winning team, the Liverpool and England midfielder Raheem Sterling. Thanks for joining us, Raheem. And I, I guess we've got to start with a great win at the weekend. Um, obviously, everyone is really excited, obviously, with the big win and obviously to go all Trafford and to score three goals. I think everyone was really happy and pleased with the performance of the team and most importantly, getting the three points. So, yeah, it was a great atmosphere after the game in the change room. Boys were really, really excited. Yeah, yeah excited and, and feeling that you're on a roll as well, I'm sure. The front three, I mean, everyone says SAS, don't they? But it's really SASAS if you include you in it. What does it feel like to play in that front three, the pace that you attack with? Do you feel every time you attack that you can score? Most games that we go in, we, we try to attack and score in every movement or at the weekend, I thought we played tactically well. We we done what we needed to do defensively, and then got on the counter attack and won a few penalties. But um, with them two up front, you can you can get a lot of goals. And I'm just happy to be part of the team and working to help the team. But yeah, them two up front are really a joy to play with. Raheem, when you join a club like that, so big but so young for yourself, when you go, do you have a moment where you're like, right, I've arrived, I can do this? Obviously, you got in the first team really early, but do you now feel the most settled you've been? Do you feel like you really belong there? Definitely, when you're training with players like Gerard and Suarez, it's a bit nerve-wracking sometimes, but then um, after a while you get used to it and then you start um, being yourself and start expressing yourself. But I think I'm getting in that zone now where I feel that I can express myself to the fullest and not be shy and come out my shell. And yeah, it's really helping a lot. So yeah, I would say right now I'm really settled and really happy to be, be in the team. Got a question from Twitter for you, Raheem, as well, from uh, one of our listeners, Kev Garrity7. He says, in what ways has Brendan Rodgers helped you become the revelation you've been this season? I mean, everyone talks about what he's done for you, but what, what, what's he done literally, Raheem? How, how has he helped you? I'd say just trying to get me settled off the pitch and perform on it and just telling me I need to just be more at home and be more relaxed on the ball and just express myself. And that's what's really helped me this season. He's made me realise that I'm here on merit, not just being in the squad, but I'm here because of what I've done in youth teams and stuff like that. So he's just said to me to be confident on the ball and do what I was doing in the youth team and just be confident and try to get at people. And it's not just the manager, is it, but the captain, Steven Gerrard, with all of that experience, all of that understanding of the club, love of the city, he, he must be great to play alongside and to train alongside too. I could ask for a better captain before every game. He's um, helping me um, what sort of player I'm playing off against or just giving me little hints of what to do in the game today. So to have someone like that to encourage you is really great and have the belief in you. So he's a superb captain and I'm really happy to be a player that he's captain in the side. What's the feeling like in the dressing room? I mean, you must be on a high. Is it a case of win every game we can and see what happens? Definitely. I think we go and take every game slowly. The United game, we were just going to try to do our best and try to get the three points. Um, and then we'll just go into the next game on the weekend again. Just slowly take it step by step, not saying we're going to win the league straight away, but we'll take it step by step, try and win every game as it comes, and then hopefully we'll be right where we need to be at the end of the season. That's right up there at the top of the table. 
One final question from uh, another of our Twitter followers, Raheem, if you don't mind. Um, J7 asks, what's been the best moment of your football career so far? I mean, I'm guessing it might come in the summer, mightn't it, in, in Brazil? But but up to now, what's been the best moment? Probably scoring two against Arsenal. It was a team that I've always watched their games. It's a big team in England, so it was really great to obviously get two against them and win 5-1 as well. So it was a great day for the team and not only just for the team myself as well. So, yeah. Brilliant, Raheem. Thanks uh, very much indeed for your time. And more importantly, really good luck for the rest of the season. You must get the sense that a, a lot of people, not just Liverpool fans, are cheering you fellas on because of the way you play. So thanks for your time. OK, thank you, mate. See you later. Yeah, good to hear from Raheem Sterling. And talking of Brendan Rodgers as an improved manager and the perception of him, Matt, there's your player in exactly the same way. How improved has he been this season? He has been, and I think obviously a maturity that comes in any young player, Brendan will have benefited from that. But the best managers just let the players flourish. They find a way to fit them into a team and he just lets him go out and play. Has that enthusiasm. Seems to have got a bit of discipline into his play as well. He's only going to get better and better. Well, as for United, their ninth defeat of the season, which is extraordinary. Their fifth at Old Trafford as well and all but ends any hope of a top four finish. And here's their despondent manager, David Moyes. Tough day for us, but uh, at half-time, you know, was, we were 1-0 down to a penalty kick. I didn't think there was an awful lot in it. But to give away one sort of 20 seconds or so into the second half, it, it made it a real upward upward for us after that. Liverpool played well, but I thought in the first half I didn't think there was a great deal in it. The penalty kick was a, was a turning point in the first half and gave them something, but for us to lose a goal right after half-time was tough. Well, as a former defender, you'll know about individual mistakes, not that you made many of them, Matt, obviously, but ill-discipline like that, too many individual mistakes, I mean, three penalties, and they could have conceded four or five penalties, couldn't they, in the game? Well, the pace that Liverpool attacked with, absolutely the case. You almost felt, in a way, that the referee kind of got embarrassed to be giving any more. There were some really poor challenges. Yes, there was good play from Liverpool, but that internal discipline that Manchester United have had basically forever as a team had just completely gone. And unfortunately, when you have good players playing in a poor team, those standards can become dragged down collectively. It was interesting, wasn't it, watching Van Persie, Mata, Fellaini, Vidic, all at certain times have been regarded as the best in their position, really, and, and yet nothing from them almost. Well, it shows how much it is a team game. You know, they need a supply line. They matter taking a bit of time to settle, but certainly Van Persie and Rooney should be a handful for anybody. But watching it, I just felt there was a lack of belief in the team amongst each other as individuals. I think if you ask privately, one or two would question maybe one or two others being in the team. And once you get into that sort of situation, it's very, very dangerous for a club. Now, what does that mean for the manager in terms of the near future and then potentially next season does that mean that he will go he has to go or can it change back in his favour well it certainly can change back I think the problem that United will have if they don't qualify for the Champions League is attracting the quality of player that they need to turn the thing around I think there's a massive pressure on David Moyes I think he's a hard working really diligent manager but the chemistry hasn't happened between him and his team at the moment and I would imagine that's the bit that's most alarming for the club there is a question isn't there that people have raised that some of the senior players look at him and maybe don't don't respect him as much as they would another coach. Does that happen? You've been in football clubs. Is that possible? It absolutely happens, yeah. The the whole dynamic of team training is basically shaped by a manager, by the way that he is. Now, I know Mike Phelan under Sir Alex Ferguson took an awful lot of the training. And in a way, when you've got absolutely world-class players, you're not so much coaching them as putting on training sessions, allowing them to express themselves. And how many times do we see United destroy people? Yes, with some sort of tactical framework, but basically just by good players playing well. Now, 
it almost seems like they're overcoached. They're too static in their formation. They're too rigid. They're just not creative enough. Yeah, maybe that's show us your medals mentality, or in your case, show us your medal. Um, at this stage, last season, United, by the way, 29 points ahead of Liverpool after they beat them 2-1 at home. Liverpool are now 14 points ahead of United, a 43-point swing in the space of a year. And before anyone says it, I know he, he's got one more medal than me, that's for sure. Uh, now, a little later on Sunday, Arsenal travelled to North London neighbours Spurs. Normally, of course, a huge game, but it somehow felt dwarfed by what had gone on before, but they knew nothing less than a win would do to keep them in the title race. And, well, they just about did it, Matt, didn't they, Arsenal? Uh, very, very early goal. It wasn't the most convincing performance, though. It wasn't. That's generally how derbies tend to go. A little bit nip and tuck. That first goal can often be so important. You felt that Arsenal were comfortable. Had they been behind in the game, I think, and needing to chase it, they would have been capable probably of scoring anyway. Um, and Spurs just didn't seem to have enough to break them down. And when you have those players of quality, albeit frustratingly inconsistent at times, like Thomas Rosicki, you've always got that potential in the locker, haven't you? What, I mean, what a wonderful goal. 72 seconds and what a strike that was to win it. Yes, it was. And I think for Tim Sherwood, the frustration will be that they were on the front foot. They start the game that first minute. They're attacking the worst sin. You get counter-attacked. You've given away the goal. You've automatically handed the impetus to the visitors. You've set your own crowd back a little bit. It's obviously raised the pressure on your own players who know that they have to perform and are then find themselves behind so early. Yeah, Tim Sherwood, that fairly I think, memorable picture of him throwing his gilet back onto the bench that he wears all the time. He was uh, absolutely furious. The match winner, as we said, was the Czech midfielder Thomas Rosicki, and he was pretty pleased with his early strike. It's one of the best against Tottenham obviously as well so it's, 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 uh, I'm delighted by, by a goal like that and uh, most important is that we have won the game yeah, I think it's a great race for, for the fans as well for us for the players so as we said many times I think it will be until the until the last game of the season and it's, it's a great fighter. Well, Arsenal still well in the title race, of course. People almost seem to forget about them, but they've got a tricky few fixtures coming up. Chelsea away, Swansea at home, Man City at home, Everton away. To an extent, they are tricky, but I suppose it keeps their destiny in their own hands a little bit, doesn't it? It does, but it just also shows how fragile you can be as a squad. Zicky's come in and scored a fantastic goal for them. You just get the feeling from of the four challengers at the moment, they're probably just the weakest squad-wise and, and the ones that are so reliant, maybe just on key players more than the others. Doesn't squad strength matter less as we get nearer the end of the season though? As, as long as you're all fit with six games to go, it sort of doesn't matter anymore? Well, it gets to a point where it doesn't, but this isn't that point. There's, there's enough games still to go that there, there will be some trials and tribulations, suspensions start kicking in, a few injuries get picked up. That can be the key. Well, let's get the Spurs perspective now. Manager Tim Sherwood felt his side were unlucky not to get anything out of the game. Well, we were better than them. I thought we played well, we created chances today, played on the front foot, defended together. Obviously, coming back from a massive blow one minute whatever it was wonder strike I'm willing him to shoot from that distance you know and that angle but he sticks it right in the top corner and there's nothing we can do about that but all we can do is get together and, and bounce back and we did that and no one can say we deserve to lose that game well, they needed a cutting edge, Matt. They didn't have it. They created chances. And guess who scored twice for Toronto on his debut? Jermaine Defoe. They seem to be lacking a player like that. Yes, they do. Uh, obviously, spending so much money in the summer puts some pressure on them. The Predators, those goal scorers, the naturals are so hard to find. And Jermaine Defoe will probably become a better Spurs player having left. He's one that hadn't had that much of an impact just recently. To be the very best at the top level, possibly that little yard that he always thrived on has just gone a bit. Three defeats now in four, seven points off fourth. It's probably the end of the Champions League hopes. And you have to say, if they finish fifth, there's another frustrating season for them. I think it is based on the amount of money that they spent, but you can't spend that much money, bring all those players to the club and expect to challenge the top four teams. 
take Manchester United out of the equation because that surprised everybody. You knew that Liverpool were going to be a force this year. So then Spurs were trying to get into a top four that probably contained five teams that were better than them. They might finish fifth. And funnily enough, that's probably ahead of par, maybe on expectation at the start of the season. But the way their performances have been, it won't feel like that. Now, coming up, we'll be speaking exclusively to a World Championship boxer about West Brom's fight for survival. You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Dave Farrer. Well, to Villa Park next, where Chelsea's title hopes took a blow as they suffered their first league defeat of 2014, going down 1-0 to an inspired Aston Villa side. Three sendings off for the Blues, two players, William and Ramirez, and their manager. It was not, uh, Matt, a good day for Jose Mourinho. It wasn't one of many frustrations for him. Not particularly a good team performance. Lots of questions raised against his team. He's uh, been able to, as he always does, deflect against that situation. And obviously the two sendings off gave him that perfect opportunity. Well, let's hear now from a brother downbeat Chelsea manager who once again has been playing down his team's title chances. Result 1-0 for Aston Villa. We have now the same number of points that we had before the match. We are not in the title race. We are in a, a match race. We play every match. We try to win. We think we can win. We give everything to win. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But that's our, that's our race. Improve and uh, try our best every match. Strange team, Matt, aren't they? Because they can look relentless, forceful, physically powerful, but they can also look like they did on Saturday, toothless, frankly, and they didn't look like champions. Well, he has said himself they are toothless. He probably wouldn't have wanted the comments to come to the fore, but that is where he knows they are. Because of the personnel that he has, certainly in those forward areas, this would be a fantastic Barclays Premier League title for him to win because he's had to really work for it. And results like this actually are a bit of a rain check and tell Chelsea exactly where they're at. And that game against Arsenal looks huge now, doesn't it? Chelsea-Arsenal. I mean, they're four points clear of Liverpool and Arsenal at the top. They've played a game more. It's not quite must-win, but it's a key, key moment. You always get the feeling in the top games, tactically, he's happy sending his teams out not to be beaten. That's slightly different to actively going and winning games. And you always feel with a Chelsea that unless Hazard or Oscar comes up with something really impressive, that they will just grind the result out rather than really going and being flamboyant and earning it. Well, as for Villa, and we should talk about them, it was a terrific performance. It was their second win in a row. It moves them up to 10th in the table, and we can hear now from their match winner, midfielder Fabian Delph. Probably my best goal uh, so far in my career, and uh, the main thing were the three points. I mean, we've been working hard. Uh, we had a good result the last game. We've come into this game. No one gave us a chance, but we knew in, we knew that we had the tools to uh, get the job done, and luckily we've done it. By the way, Mourinho, without a win at Villa Park in five attempts uh, now, uh, he always struggles against him for some reason. Uh, Villa have won successive home games in the Barclays Premier League for the first time since August 2010. It shows how poor they've been. But are they safe now? Nine points above the bottom three on 34 points. Paul Lambert seems to have some green shoots there with a young side, doesn't he, getting them in the right direction? Last year, I mean, they did really well to survive and came through basically on the back of Benteke's performances. He hasn't been that consistent this time, but those young players that you're talking about will all be better collectively. So the team in transition moving forward, doing fine, needs some additions and probably isn't that much money around to strengthen the team. I think they'll be fine where they're at now, mid-table. The fact that the team's playing well, it's that confidence factor that actually means that they'll be okay. Well, Manchester City moved to within six points of Chelsea with three games in hand after a really gutsy 2-0 win at Hull on Saturday lunchtime. Gutsy because they had to do it with ten men. Captain Vincent Company sent off inside the first ten minutes and, and given how key we always say he is to them, they did really well to win there. 
They did. This is a, a strength that they have that they've put into their game. A bit like Chelsea where we talk about them being relentless. OK, we've had a big setback. We could feel sorry for ourselves. We could end up losing a real shock result away at Hull, but we don't. We have enough quality. We back ourselves and we get the job done and that's exactly what they did. And when you've got quality like David Silva, a, a wonderful first goal, the pass for the second goal for Dzeko was out of this world. Manuel Pellegrini, of course, knew his team had to bounce back after going out of two competitions to Barcelona and to Wigan in the space of four days. Very difficult uh, week. So starting this game playing with one player less during 80 minutes, I think that was, was a very important response from, from the team. It was important for us to return to the Premier League winning the game and, and we did it. Go on then, you love me mentioning Barcelona and Wigan in the same sentence, but what a win that was for your old team as a player, but also one with whom you're still very much involved. Yeah, absolutely, and full credit to the players, but also full credit to Uwe Rosler, who worked it out tactically, looked at various bits, looked at the previous win against City as well. And it would have been a shock to City, they wouldn't have expected to lose twice in the short space of time they have done to Wigan, certainly in the circumstances of the stature of games. Now it's irrelevant to them, they have to go and try and take this title. As for Hull, it was their fifth defeat in the last eight home matches, they're now just five points above the bottom three. Do you think Steve Bruce will be disappointed? I mean, I know it's Manchester City, but it's ten men as well, Matt, from an early point. Will he be disappointed not to have got that scout, do you think? I think he will do because it would have been a glimmer of an opportunity because he will know where his team at and he'll be absolutely delighted with the way that they've been. But he will have seen it for that much in the game as being an opportunity. Funnily enough, sometimes it works the other way because the players automatically know it's an opportunity as well. That actually adds more pressure on them during the game they go into the game expecting to get beaten not wanting to get humiliated knowing they're going to have to be absolutely at their best to be competitive but the fact that they then get the 10 men for such a long period of time there's almost an expectancy you should get something and as we saw it's never that easy well there's also the, the Boyd penalty appeal that sort of conversation with with Joe Hart which made a lot of the the back pages uh, could Hull get sucked in and we talked about Villa 13th place 30 points they're not safe are they they need I mean, probably 40 will be okay this season but they still need to, to make sure they keep some sort of form going they have to yeah and it's and it's horrible it gets relentless at this stage of the season you look down there Fulham massive result for them which we'll come to later on Cardiff have been a struggle but from the other teams Sunderland certainly aren't desperate Palace are fighters West Brom not bad Norwich always a difficult place to go so you're not looking at three desperate teams that you know you're better than they'll be very aware that they're in a relegation fight well one team firmly in a relegation scrap as you mentioned is Cardiff who conceded a really agonising injury time Everton winner at Goodison going down 2-1 in the end we'll hear from the scorer of that last minute goal for the Toffees now Seamus Coleman he did admit his strike was a little bit fortunate. I thought their keeper was absolutely fantastic. Some of the saves he pulled off all day were brilliant and I think to be honest it was going to be a goal like that that would beat him one that, one that wasn't meant to go where it did and, and thankfully I was on the end of it. We knew they were a good team, the manager here has told us all week how, how good of a team they are and, and uh, they've got some good players so we knew it would be difficult but uh, you know thankfully we came out on top at the last minute you know the fans were getting a bit anxious there towards the end but thankfully you know we got a big roar in the end. Coleman uh, with the winner. Seamus Coleman there on a running machine while he was doing that interview. Uh, Dilafeu got the first. Um, really good to have him back from injury, actually. He'd always become a, a forgotten player, but one of great quality. Yeah, certainly to bring on in matches as well. He has an instant impact, very quick off the mark, good off both feet, has an important goal in him, which he's shown at times this season. Everton really are feeling the effects of, of having a squad that's been stretched. And if they can keep them intact for the rest of the season, they've actually been excellent. Sixth place, two points behind Spurs, two games in hand. There's still a lot to play for for them, as there is for Cardiff. Defeat particularly harsh, as Seamus Coleman was saying, on goalkeeper David Marshall, who'd kept the Everton attack at bay for most of the match. That's an unbelievable finish, really. The boys, obviously, miss out the shot as well, so to see it again was uh, sickening. But um, no, we showed a lot of character, we played well, and 
with a few chances as well so just disappointed not to come away with anything we've got a home game obviously against Liverpool next week but our uh, stadium's a hard place to come um, so if we start the game well we know we can get a positive result there and then the games after that are other teams round about us so we can take confidence into them Well it was good spirit to get back into the game through Juan Kaya certainly Cardiff remain second bottom though Matt three points from safety Liverpool at home next it's not looking good for them it isn't, and the very fact that we're listening to a goalkeeper who's been outstanding in a game probably tells you where they're at. You talk about them maybe being unfortunate, but you can't give up the amount of chances they're giving up. They don't look a physically strong, resilient side either, and that's my worry for them. Well, we just spoke about Everton, didn't we? The Toffees currently reside in sixth place in what's been an impressive debut season for manager Roberto Martinez. Now, our reporter Owen Blackhurst caught up with the Spaniard to find out how he's adapted to life on Merseyside and started by asking what he thought of the club before he took over from David Moyes last summer. My feelings towards Everton were of a football club with an incredible history and a great passion and something that is reflected when you watch a game at Goodison Park. So, obviously, the moment that you walk into, into Everton, you realise that is even more than that. This football club has got the, an incredible platform with the history that, that we got behind it. So it allows you to give you a good direction for the future. So obviously it was just a real excitement to, to make sure that the football club could fulfil the potential as quick as we could and, and start playing football games. It's very important for me to understand what the fans want and everything we work and everything we do is to make them proud of the team. So it's been very, very important for me to meet every Everton in the weekend. There is a, a very famous saying from Alan Ball that once Everton touches you, uh, nothing seems to be the same and, it, and it's very, very much true. It's, it's hard to explain. It's well documented, you have your own philosophy and how did the players initially react when you first came in and how, how do you think they've developed throughout the season? Well, I always said that the dressing room that we have is, is a real honour and a real privilege and we've got real doses of character and personality but the players uh, we've got a, a great mixture of senior players that they got a real understanding of the game, understanding of what it takes to play for Everton, and then youngsters that they're allowed to express themselves. But everyone has been really keen to understand what's needed for the team, and everyone's been very, very much open-minded in the way that we want to play. And I think it's been that's been the biggest satisfaction to be able to come into work every day with a real desire to get better and a real desire to try to do things in a different way. That's the reward that we've been getting it over the course of eight, nine months now. Is is ready to finish the season as a strong as we can be due to that attitude of the players. Can you tell me what you think about the Barclays UR football campaign? The Barclays UR football campaign, is it brings the values into the game. I think sometimes we can forget that we're all involved in football because we love the game, we love the sport, we, we love the what it represents and I think the Barclays campaign sets that perspective back into the match day experience. What really matters is the, the love for the game and, and the fans that support it, so a big support of the campaign. He's completely changed a lot about Everton in a short space of time. It's interesting, isn't it? Because his predecessor's gone into a yeah, okay, a bigger club and struggled to change things. And Martinez has done the job duck to water. He's done it perfectly. Yeah, he's back to his own methods. Obviously, I was lucky enough to spend a long time with him at Wigan watching how those methods were put in place and how he was able to improve average players with respect to them, the level that they were playing for Wigan. What he's done now, he's gone in and used the best influences that David Moyes had put into his team and enhanced that with his own brand of football, his own style of management, and they've been sensational all year. Is he as impressive to know and work with as he sounds? Yeah, I mean, he, he loves the game. He's got outstanding tactical knowledge. His man management is very good. 
good. Ultimately, it's not that complicated being a manager. You have to get your players in the best shape possible. You have to manage them as individuals and then you let them go out and express themselves on the pitch. But the way that he's transformed the style of play is something that all Evertonians are certainly enjoying. Coming up, we'll be finding out how a boxing champion could help West Brom stay in the Barclays Premier League. Time now for a little break from the action so we can take a look at the latest Barclays Twitter ticket competition winners. You've been able to win tickets to a match involving your club simply by telling us why you are football. And here are some recent winners. West Brom fan Andy Carter says even the wind and rain didn't stop 2,000 of us travelling 150 miles to Crystal Palace. Aston Villa ticket winner Craig Lealmont said the first glimpse into the stadium takes me back to the excitement of being seven years old with my dad. There's no feeling like it. And finally, another winner talking about their dad. Everton supporter David Leatham says my dad Roy is football because he was at both the FA Cup and World Cup finals in 1966. Well Matt Jackson remember your first match was that with your your dad as well normally is isn't it? Yeah I can't actually say it was definitively my first match but due to the powers of the internet I know it was at uh, Aston Villa versus Wrexham I was a Villa fanatic Aston Villa 5 Wrexham won in the League Cup in 1976 I was 5 years old with my grandfather believe it or not so yeah one of my earliest football memories and did you then dream at that age of being a footballer yourself being a sort of respected utility player around the top division <laughs> in England <laughs> up and down the leagues yeah thanks for that yeah that's exactly what I was dreaming about being a complete stalwart of the game the excitement there of, of standing on the whole end as it was and seeing the green pitch and the white lines and I remember it was something magic so thanks for bursting that illusion. I was going to say I'm winning the FA Cup. Let's never forget that. To have a chance of uh, winning tickets to watch your club, tweet why you are football to at Barclays Footy using the hashtag you are football or post it on the Barclays Football Facebook page. Well, I'm here with Matt Jackson as we continue our look back at the weekend's action to Craven Cottage next, where Fulham kept alive their hopes of survival with a crucial 1-0 victory over Newcastle, courtesy of Ashkan de Jagger's second-half strike. Let's hear from a relieved Fulham boss, Felix Maga. You can imagine how glad I am now after three not-winning games. Now the first win, and we are very proud and we are very happy and... I think that's uh, for us now the point where it turns. It was only one step, but it was a very important step for us. And so, uh, yeah, now we have, I think, the confidence that we can manage last games. It had to come, Matt. It had to come, didn't it, really? That that game, that weekend, first win in ten matches, Magat's first win as manager, four points from safety. But if they win all their home games and nick something away from home, they've still got a chance. Yeah, it was crucial. I actually think they could have probably just about considered themselves relegated had they lost this game. Perfect fixture for them. Had they been able to choose one, Newcastle at home in the circumstances they were playing under, sitting on 43 points, nothing whatsoever to play for now in the season. It's going to be really difficult for Alan Pardew, even though he's not at the games, to get his troops motivated to uh, continue their fairly good form, although you do feel it's been such a massively mixed season for them. Yeah, for Newcastle, goalkeeper Tim Krull admitted it was tough without their band manager, Alan Pardew. Yeah, obviously it's not the same, uh, the manager on the side, because he, uh, he gives you the extra confidence and maybe a little bit of help. But I think uh, we did everything and uh, he did everything in his powers uh, to help us. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't fall for us today. We had a team meeting at the hotel and then he rang uh, John Carver at halftime as well to give some instructions. Well, it must be difficult when you manage, not just not on the bench, but he's not there. But, you know, you still need a performance and they were poor. They were poor. And I just think the collection of things going against them, the fact that I mentioned that they're safe already. And it's very difficult 
for players when they know they, they're not actually playing for something. It's not an unprofessional attitude, it's just a different attitude. And you only have to come off a couple of percent from that normal procedure, that normal preparation, and it can lead to performances like that. In terms of their performances, Loic Remy was out at the weekend and the difference in sort of points gathered, goals scored, etc. when he's in and out of the team is, is extraordinary. They're, they're massively over-reliant on him, aren't they? Yes, they are. I mean, he's been phenomenal for them. They always have a tough time with their recruitment. They've leaned heavily on that French market, which has been so successful for them. It's tough for them to compete with the real big boys ahead of them. So you have to say that they've done fine and they've done really well considering where they were at the start of the season. Alan Pardew's situation has never really looked that safe and secure obviously he's had his recent issues as well so tough time for the club again and actually when you look at the league position you know they've done well considering everything that's gone on around them another team at the bottom to record a vital three points at West Brom who came from behind to win 2-1 at Swansea like Magat at Fulham it was manager Pepe Mel's first win in charge at the club and the Spaniard was pleased despite the poor first half showing half time speak about the poor play and the second the second half is is better more strong on, on the beach together, be combat. I think uh, this is the way. The most important now is the West Brom, is the fans, is the players, is the club. Well, it was Pepe Bell's first win of the season, but how does the Spanish coach keep his players fighting fit? Well, quite simply, he employs a former world boxing champion. Welcome to the show, lifelong Baggies fan and former super middleweight champion of the world, Richie Woodall. Hi, Richie. Hello, Dave. Now, firstly, we'll talk about your work with the West Brom players in a moment, but uh, tell us about your love of the baggies. Has it been ever since you were a little lad? Yeah, I mean, because I'm from Telford, and Telford is a big Wolves area, so all my mates are Wolves fans. But it's me dad. Me dad was born in West Bromwich, and my family originated from there, uh, the Woodall name. And so I, you just have no choice. I've got brothers, and they're Albion fans. I'm Albion fans. Ever since I can breathe, it's just the way it is. It's tradition, and you just can't get away from it, unfortunately. And first memory? Rich, was it? Were you sort of Jeff Astle era when you were watching? No, he just a bit before me. Um, I, I went to the Albion when I was about first time, I was about seven. I remember sitting on my dad's shoulders watching a match. I think we got beat by Liverpool, which we always did in those days anyway, but mid-70s. And, uh, yeah, just fantastic memories. And I was just hooked straight away, obviously. Now the Rummy us... Road end. <laughs> the Rummy Road end, indeed. Yeah, tell us about your work with the, the West Brom players then, uh, brought in. And is it all sort of traditional sort of boxing work that you're doing, pad work and things like that? Yeah, a lot of pad work. I just got a call from the club because they obviously know I'm, I'm an Albion fan um, and I'm a GB coach uh, for the Olympic team. And yeah, I got a call from the club that just wanted a bit, bit of extra training, something different, something that's going to um, excite the footballers. And so I went in and it was a pleasure to train with them and took a few of them on the pads. They loved it. And I've been going every week for the last five or six weeks. You do a lot of pad work and uh, take a lot of punches from, from real boxers still in your training roles with, uh, with fighters, Rich. But in terms of power... How do footballers compare? How do some of those West Brom players compare with uh, with the boxers? Well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll put a, a bit of a warning out to any Premier League player that's playing against Victor Anachebe. If you bring him down, you, you better spread out because that guy has got such a right hand. He's got he's just very naturally powerful. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't want to be on the end of a right hand from him, I can tell you. So, yeah, very good. I've been very impressed. I've been training Saido Barahino. He's coming on um, a bundle now. Stephen Reid, he loves it. Jonas Olsen, 
he's a boxing fan. He was telling me all about Swedish boxers and all sorts. So, yeah, I was quite surprised how good they were and the knowledge they had. Also, Scott Sinclair, who we've got on loan, he's a naturally. So, yeah, they're all pretty good. I've been very surprised. Yeah, and uh, talking about those links between football and boxing, Richie, former Sheffield United player, of course, Curtis Woodhouse, recently won the British title after retiring as a, as a footballer. Wayne Rooney's first love was boxing. Do you see similarities between the two? Do you see why sort of Curtis was able to do what, what, what he did? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think that the reason why they brought me in as well is because football and boxing are quite similar in that it's, it's fast, explosive bursts of energy a lot of the time. And Curtis has done absolutely fantastic, you know, because he could have easily stayed in football and earned a lot of money playing this football, but his true love was in the fight. And for him then to turn over to boxing and win the British title, that's a fantastic story. They'll make a film of that one day because that, you know, probably won't, will never be done again. So, yeah, that's a tremendous achievement it really is boxing training David you just can't beat it really and and the footballers know that and they know that they get a lot of benefit from it brilliant Richie thanks for your time and I know that we've got listeners all around the world who every time someone tackles Victor and Ichibi from now until the end of the season will be on the edge of their seats because of you thanks very much indeed Rich alright all the best Dave cheers yeah don't mess with Victor and Ichibi don't mess with Matt Jackson either these footballers are tougher than they look uh, turning our attention to Swansea uh, they've now just won four of their last 20 league matches at the Liberty and they're slipping down the table but midfielder Leon Britton is confident they can turn things round. The last 10 years we've everyone spoke about Swansea and, and the great rise through the leagues and, and bits and pieces but yeah this is a different situation we're in a, we're in a relegation battle that's the reality of it um, we all need to dig in we all need to work hard um, and we need to do it you know this is the start of um, you know nine cup finals if you like. Now Matt one of the great cliches of the Barclays Premier League is that there's always a team that sinks like a stone and ends up in trouble and sometimes get relegated. Norwich were one weren't they uh, you know that you'll know uh, all too well is it going to be Swansea because 14th just four points above the drop zone and they are not in form either. No they're not and the form is the important part of it all very well if you've been slightly unlucky but you're creating loads of chances and you've come up against various circumstances you can't control. The other thing I always worry about for Swansea is they play one way they pass the ball beautifully they keep possession well which when you're, everything's going well is great players want it you're going to create chances when everyone gets a bit edgy doesn't necessarily show quite as easily for the ball that fluidity that you have goes out of the game you have nothing to fall back on you can't get resilient 1-0 victories and you end up with the results like this against West Brom yeah you'd be getting sick as a Swansea fan wouldn't you of statistics like for example the weekend just gone 62% possession but they still lost the game. It seems to happen a lot with them. And Michu's back, which is great news. He's going to be key. But, but it's more about players like him now, isn't it? It's about scoring, not about keeping the ball. It is, and that's why the superstars attract the big numbers at the top end of various divisions and the best clubs in Europe. That's why it's that way. No, if you put Michu playing as his best, he's going to score a lot of goals. When he's not in the team, to replace him for them is almost impossible. Well, to St Mary's next, where Mauricio Pochettino's Southampton side survived a late Norwich fight back to come out 4-2 winners. Southampton were cruising at 3-0. They're and two defensive errors let Norwich get back to 3-2, agonisingly if you're a Norwich fan. Uh, but in the end, Southampton uh, added another goal and held on. England manager Roy Hodgson was watching the match in the stands. He always seems to be at St Mary's looking at that English contingent. Let's hear from one of them, from striker Ricky Lambert and his views on the rest of the season. We're not giving up on anything, but I'd be lying if I said we're aiming for fifth. I think a more really realistic place now is if we, if we get the top eight. I think it'll be terrific achievement for us. But obviously we're, we're not... We're not going to stop our eighth. If we can get higher, we'll try and get high. Impressed by the way that they sort of fell away, Matt. They, they, they've done well early season and they've got enough points in the bag, but now they're coming again and they look like they might have a strong finish. Could they catch Spurs, do you think, conceivably? I don't think so. I think they've left themselves too much to do with that dip and, funnily enough, that dip can come as 
players just relax slightly because they know the hard work of survival, their first goal is over. Now they can refocus. Obviously, they've got some outstanding players who are looking towards World Cup glory. So that's the team benefiting from individual perspectives that they have going forward. They've been outstanding. If they can keep the core of that side intact, they could be a real force again next season. And they've got three players there in forward areas who are looking harder and harder to leave out. Of the World Cup squad, Lalana Rodriguez has been terrific and Lambert too. I don't think they can all go, but you're right and they all desperately want to. So, you know, they're going to continue playing, continue trying as hard as they can and then the team benefits from that massively themselves. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting for them in the summer. At the opposite end of the scale, Norwich have failed to win in their last eight away games in all competitions, but manager Chris Hewton is hoping their home form will keep them out of trouble. It's going to be a tough weekend, there's no doubt, and um, and it always is when you're on the back of a, a real disappointing defeat. Um, but we, at some stage, have to put this to bed, we have to close this one down and then look forward to what is a home game uh, next week. Um, generally, our form at home has, has been very good. We'll certainly need everybody pushing in the, the right direction and we'll certainly need a, a better performance than what we showed today. Yeah, I don't like to remind you of this, but it's a really interesting last eight games for your old club, isn't it? Because the way it works is just strange. Sunderland, Swansea, West Brom, Fulham and then the last four games, Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea and Arsenal, they've really got to get nine, ten points out of the next four, maybe? Yes, I, I agree with you completely and the pressure that puts on players knowing that, the pressure it puts on the fans, Chris Hutton talking about how important Carroll Road is to them, the pressure on those home fans not to get nervous and transmit to the players is absolutely huge. Amazing how the season works out. Amazing how the fixture list can go. I remember Wigan staying up a couple of seasons ago when they ended up beating Man United and they won at the Emirates to beat Arsenal. You can't rely on doing that. And these teams are flying. Manchester United away, funnily enough, might look the best proposition in that last four games. You can't rely on that at all. Yeah, they also maybe hope that Arsenal by that point are out of the title race and have nothing to play for. But we shall see. But it's strange having this pre-end of season, end of season almost. It, it, it's weird for them. They're the only club as well, Matt, in the bottom seven not to have changed their manager this season do you think he will justify the board's faith I thought it was it's great to see their faith in a nice fella isn't it but will he justify it I think it's really going to be touch and go for them I think if they stay up they'll be fourth bottom and it'll be really tight and he is a lovely man you've always felt that he's teetered on the brink and somehow has got a result whenever he's needed one all season there hasn't been a point where you think right he has to be sacked now so that's great credit to them all. It's never going to be easy for a Norwich City at this stage of their development in the Barclays Premier League. That's unfortunately football life. So to finish fourth bottom, they will certainly take right now. We say, quite rightly, he's got a result every time he's needed it. Sunderland at home this weekend. It starts right here. And let's round off the show with four clubs still very much with Norwich in that relegation mix. We'll hear from Gus Poyet on Sunderland's draw with Crystal Palace in a moment. But first, Stoke City leapfrog West Ham into 11th after coming from behind to beat the East London side 3-1 at the Britannia. Peter Odin Wingy scored two of the three goals and think Stoke can now pull away from the bottom end of the table. Pleased for the team, you know, uh, and the fans, you know, we keep making them happy at home. At the end of the game, you know, we saw they really enjoyed themselves. So, uh, yeah, uh, we needed the victory to be in the top ten. We got the job done. We conceded one early, but, you know, to come back after a goal like that and win, it's, uh, I think we can uh, applaud for ourselves. Up to 11th, lost just once in the last seven games. Mark Hughes finally, Matt, proving the doubters wrong because there were plenty. There were, and I think his record makes that a bit harsh. It always takes time for a new manager going in, particularly following a really successful one. Trying to change styles is not easy. Trying to change mindset of players. Bringing your own players in, not easy either. I think from... The transition they've made, they've been OK. They're on an upward curve, which means they'll be absolutely fine from a survival point of view. Stoke, never an easy place to go. I know it's an old cliche, but never easy. You're always going to have a tough game. And now, developing a player like Peter Wingy becomes a real bonus for someone like Stoke. 
And Andy Carroll opened the scoring for West Ham with a header. First goal since April last year. They're not safe either. 31.6 above the bottom three. They should be OK, but a bad run and they're in trouble. It'd be a huge story if they were to be one of the teams that finished in the bottom three from this point, particularly as it's been tough for them. They've come through that. They're getting the better players back. I don't see them being relegation candidates. Well, finally, Crystal Palace remained three points clear of fellow strugglers Sunderland after a pretty uneventful goalless draw at the Stadium of Light. One point apiece leaves Gus Poyet Sunderland third bottom and he knows it could be a tough last 11 games to keep his side in the top flight. I think it's, uh, it's going to be tight. It could be a goal between two teams to stay up, to go down. So you need to be smart in difficult games, how to deal with that. And, and the games that you have a chance to win, like today, try to get the three points somehow. I think we learn a lot as well. I think the players know that when they perform at this level, you know, it's, it's very difficult for any team to beat us. And we're going to have very difficult games away from home. So we need to make sure that we are at this level. It's an important psychological time, isn't it, for Sunderland, Matt? Losing the League Cup final to Man City, having led, going out of the FA Cup as well with a whimper, really, and they've won only three times at home all season. He's got to try and galvanise them because they could do well next season if if they can stay in the top flight. Yeah, big club, and you always feel that they could do well the next season. You just have to overcome the trials and tribulations that you have in the one currently. Difficult for them to refocus on a league campaign when... It's always been there nagging away. The cup success has been great, but it's always been there nagging away that they're right in those relegation places. It brings a pressure that is relentless for players when you're continually looking at results, continually trying to work out the permutations, looking at fixture lists, and that is really sapping on the energy. Yeah, and we know from last season, as you know very well, it's possible to win a cup and and be relegated, so they need to be careful uh, with that mental process. What about Palace? No wins in their last four, and also last nine games, three of those at home, Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool, so they're going to have to do well away from home and they've only got one away win all season that that has to change for them it does they obviously were struggling so badly before Tony Pulis goes in that it would be practically a miracle for them to stay up anyway to have got this close would be really tough on them now to then go down but they seem to have a resilience to them where they're not going to get beaten easily but just now you have to go and win games you have to find a way to sneak out that away win and that's my worry for them particularly as you say with the difficulty they have in those home games with the strength of opposition well let's take a quick look now at some of this weekend's Barclays Premier League fixtures so much to play for at both the top and the bottom Saturday it all gets underway 12.45 Chelsea against Arsenal then the three o'clocks Everton Swansea Hull West Brom Man City Fulham Newcastle Palace Norwich Sunderland and Cardiff Liverpool and West Ham against Manchester United is the 5.30 and then on Sunday it's Spurs Southampton and Aston Villa, Stoke and Matt. Any standout games for you there? Well, one at the top, Chelsea against Arsenal and one at the bottom, absolute nerve-wracker at Carrow Road for Norwich against Sunderland. Yeah, it's going to be a huge one there. Why don't you tweet us your weekend predictions at Barclays Footy is the place to go on Twitter. Well, thanks very much indeed to Matt for his company. Before we go, have a try at this week's trivia teaser. Arsene Wenger will take charge of his 1,000th Arsenal match this Saturday. Can you name the four other Frenchmen to have managed in the Barclays Premier League since he became boss at Arsenal? If you think you know the answer, tweet it to at Barclays footy or post it onto the Barclays football Facebook page and we'll reveal it on the site later in the week. We'll be back next week to analyse all the weekend's action including a tough trip for Arsene Wenger's Arsenal to tabletop as Chelsea and a crucial bottom of the table clash between Norwich and Sunderland. But until then from Matt Jackson and me Dave Farah, goodbye. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League brought to you by Barclays. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.